It is time to tune up the band and get ready for the most stupendous event. It's, you know what? I can't take that tagline for this year's Mania seriously. Can you, chaps? No, it's all. <laughs> all right. Um, it's our way or the highway. Oh, yes. Hell yeah. There it is. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Uh, we said the thing. We said the thing. For it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Oh, hello there, chaps. Are you sitting comfortably? Because we'll be here a while. Very. <laughs> like, we're oh. going to be here for a while, and the crazier thing is, is, this is still shorter than, like, modern manias. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Which is a horrifying concept in, in isolation. When I saw that the is. timer for 17, I thought, oh, that's snug, isn't it, for a mania, isn't it? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's the thing. I looked at it and was like, oh, this is this could be a long one I'm in for. And this, I was like, wait. This, this could be done a single sitting, this one. <laughs> As opposed to staggered over, over several weeks when you've got the time. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from all of that, apart from watching Mania, getting all excited because WrestleMania is near us and near uh, upon us, how are we doing? Are we doing good? I am all right. Busy as heck. I'm going to be even busier. Let's go. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We give you this podcast. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Forever Pending other platforms do those other Good. platforms think they're special they do no so i'm just gonna look you took it. Hell yeah you took it i was gonna do the joke i was gonna do the joke <laughs> all right it's it's elder it's sad versus reader you think you're special <laughs> you, you think you're special no. yeah <laughs> you think we're pending because you always be pending god damn it you ruined it Sam. <laughs> it's it okay ready. it's okay it's okay it worked it worked it, it worked. worked it absolutely worked it did i promise you i promise ah. you all righty so Man, before we get in to our bumper review of WrestleMania 17, it's time to visit Dan for this week's very, very, very short wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, wrestling news. Fred Dustin Biscuit. biscuit. <laughs> um, this is one okay. of those days. Yes. Um, we're just going to absolutely speed through pretty much all of this. Um, as far as I know, the WrestleMania card is functionally finished, which is horrifying. <clears throat> uh, the only things that really stand out to me about this year's Mania are obviously how utterly boring some of the matches sound to me. <laughs> really, by the time we... I mean, I say that by the time we get to next week, we'll have more time to talk about it. We won't. Um, but you can hear about all about it after it happens. So, yep. like... <clears throat> yeah. You'll just have to deal with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> our Twitter at Sweet Chinwag <clears throat> for all of our live reactions. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, like, there's a lot to be said about this year's Mania. Um, I think one of the most potentially accursed things is seeing people say, and we've even said this ourselves before we were recording, potentially one of the most interesting matches of Mania could be Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> Uh, take that as you wish. <laughs> An indictment, continue. Yes. Um, 
basically, I just hope it's like a 2002 CZW match where it's just like 10 minutes of people doing ridiculous bumps and nothing else. Like zero psychology, zero anything to tie the match together. It is just a bump compilation. By God, that's sick Nick Mondo's music. Like, literally, <laughs> that's all I care about. That's all I want. <laughs> it's the best I can hope for. Um, if you want my prediction for the best match of the night, it's going to go to Edge versus AJ Styles. Correct. Because realistically, that is the only actually wrestling-looking match on that card, with maybe the exception of um, uh, Brock versus Roman, but I'm not necessarily holding my breath for that match. I'll be excited for the the for the uh, well the much rumored, much belly hooed debut of Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania, fellas. We'll see. Like we'll straight see up, I going. don't even know, and at this point, I almost don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I I said this to Sam before we saw it. Anyone who is here getting hyped about Cody Rhodes coming out to smoke and mirrors has dead ass not thought about that song in a deep five to six years. You can correct me on that if you are one of those people, but I hardly believe that people are there like, oh man, I wish Cody Rose would come back so we can have smoke and mirrors. John Cena is the only one because of that one video where he started singing smoke and mirrors all of a sudden. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, just to quickly hop over to AEW. Uh, I personally really, really liked uh, Dynamite this week. I heard some people saying it was boring. I personally say last week's Dynamite was <laughs> yes. more boring than this. Um, but, like, lots of really, really cool stuff on show, continuing on with good speed. Um, obviously, I do get left wondering a bit, you know, um, what is the path forward? Mm-hmm. Like, where do we go from here in terms of the title scenes? Again, not happy with, like, how they've done Thunder Rosa. Yeah. Uh, the women's division still has a lot left to be desired. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, we're just never, never going to shut up about that fact until they do something to fix it. Exactly. Uh, especially with the impending ROH women's division coming too. Mm-hmm. So... You know, we all just have to see how things go. Um, I personally haven't had the opportunity to watch Rampage yet, but I've heard some really, really good things. Uh, Ricky Starks is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll better recognize. Uh, and apparently had a fantastic match with Swerve. I expected nothing but the best from those two. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a star there <laughs> uh quick hop over to new japan because we have the coming finals of the new japan cup it's a united versus zack saber jr which is pretty damn cool um as i said to sam all i really care about is the undercard tag match just because it is like <laughs> something it's certainly something we're getting to see strong hearts and tatsumi fujinami just join teams because, of course. <laughs> the fact that Fujinami's still going, man. He's still going at the at his late 60s. He is not stopping, and it is fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh, it's glorious. Like, I, I, you know what? You know what? 
it's like we don't like the old guys the old guys coming in for for the wwe but there's just something about nah, japan's like, built japan's built different though i don't know it's just something about seeing fujiwara slapping the everlasting shit out of minoru suzuki uh, a couple of weeks ago they're just like you know what i much prefer it when these old guys come in to the wrestle <laughs> it's like they come in though and they're just like they're just there to have you know like matches and then to like do bits of stuff you don't just all of a sudden see like Fujinami get put in a title match you say that now <laughs> I'm not saying I'm against Fujinami having a title match I don't want it to I don't want that to be the thing that people take out of this fucking book it absolutely fucking not <laughs> fucking book it get but, but the concept of seeing current IWGP champ Kazuchika Okada tagging with Satoshi Kojima, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tiger Mask against against Stronghearts and Fujinami just gives a certain kind of feeling. It's a certain. It's you know what. It's the, it's what you. It's what we all watch New Japan for to start with, really, isn't it? <laughs> like I'm not like. Look, there's only so much I can really say about New Japan because I still have a myriad of problems with how their company operates. Mm-hmm. Um. But literally, all since they decided, let's just bring in some of our old legends, like on a slightly more regular basis, and bring in strong hearts, and they've just made the entire company like pretty fucking based. <laughs> like I'm telling you, it was it was worth it as an idea. But um, no, that's been really cool. Um, so really interested to see what goes from there. You know, obviously both Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. going for their second New Japan Cup. Yeah. So really interested to see the direction that takes the company at large. Um, and, I, and I hope that they do serve Zach cold beer this time instead of warm beer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, with that kind of rapid fire, SMG spread through the news. I think we are done. Glorious. One, more, is... one more thing. One more thing. Uh, it's, a, it's an important thing, so we should take note of it. Uh, Triple H has retired. Yes. Oh yes, Triple H has Triple H has retired um, due to his health complications. As we uh, said, as I said on Twitter, we have a lot. There are lots to be said about him. He was the subject yeah. of our very first episodes. But you know what? He had a hell of a run. So I tip my hat to yeah. you for that case, Hunter. Now go play Kratos in God of War. Go yes. do that. Go go do that. Yes. Or be in another. Or be in a Mad Max film because you just love those so much in WrestleMania entrances. <laughs> Righty then, recommendation corner. Me and Dan have got something this week to change stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my recommendation for this week uh, is the most recent edition of DPW Fire. Uh, it is really, really awesome. Uh, please go and check it out. Go check out what DPW are doing. They're doing some really, really cool stuff and oh, one of the most fun uh, companies out there you will have so much fun watching them mm-hmm. um and if you are like us and you like your wrestling to be a little bit more goofy uh <laughs> go and watch them because you will get your fair share of goofy interspersed with your fair share of absolutely ridiculous stuff absolutely highly recommended the most recent match they put on was the main event of jtg yes the jtg versus kid bandit and quite a very good comedy match Great, loved it. Um, was there something else that you had, Dan? 
No. Was that it? No, I believe... Ah, yes. Yeah, mine one. Uh, so, for my recommendation, uh, it's Foo Fighters. Yes. And everything Foo Fighters. Um, we are recording this on the day that the, uh, the world found out that Taylor Hawkins had suddenly and unfortunately passed away at the age of 50. So, rest in peace, Taylor. You gave the world an amazing gift of your insane drumming skills. So, Foo Fighters is my recommendation. All right, gents, with that, it is time to do the big one. It is the WrestleMania of WrestleManias. It is the grandest, greatest, and some would say the most epic of WrestleManias, for it is our review of WrestleMania 17, 2001. So this one made me feel very nostalgic as this was my second ever WrestleMania I watched as a kid growing up. But before we get right into the nitty and gritty, would you guys like to have a little bit of context as to what was happening in the world of wrestling in 2001? Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. This is from uh, the Wrestling Observer, the Rewind from March 26, 2001. Massive thank you to uh, DePrice82 over on the Squared Circle Reddit, who has collated every single Wrestling Observer from 1992 to 2002. So I cannot wow, thank them enough. that fits perfectly in our time frame. <laughs> cannot fit perfectly. Cannot thank them enough for all of this. So, it starts off Dave Meltzer's first opening line for this Wrestling Observer. Even to the end, they couldn't be honest to their own employees, as we finally arrive to the death of WCW. Yes, on Mon on the go home Monday Night Raw, yep. WCW was purchased by Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and as everyone remembers, the opening to WCW Nitro uh, is a very is very uh, infamous scene of Vince going, "The very fate of WCW is now in my hands." Yeah. So, this following memo was sent to WCW staff by Brad Siegel on the 16th of March. In early January, we told you about an agreement that had reached to sell WCW and its related assets. At that time, we said we would apprise you of any changes to the way WCW operates. Effective Tuesday, March 27th, WCW programming will begin a period of hiatus. During this hiatus, WCW will review its programming plans and determine the course of future WCW-branded entertainment events. On Wednesday, March 28th, please plan to attend an all-staff meeting at 10am at the power plant, at which we will share with you further information regarding WCW plans. In the meantime, I hope that you will maintain the level of professionalism that distinguishes our organisation, particularly as we prepare for the upcoming Panama City, Florida event. Thank you. Signed, Brad Siegel. Don't believe the memo, Dave Meltzer says, as there was no temporary hiatus in the relaunch of WCW under Eric Bischoff. Of course, as everyone was was assuming, Eric Bischoff and a conglomerate of uh, of, of shareholders and uh, rich people known as Fusiant Entertainment was going to yes. buy WCW off of Turner Broadcasting with the hope that they could still keep the TV deal with Turner. But, yeah, I don't think that was happening. <laughs> but yeah, at this, this we were at the time of the AOL Time Warner merger, and yeah. higher ups 
did not see WCW as a reputable form of programming that would give them any sort of profit uh, in on TNT and TBS. Actually, in his first major act as CEO of Turner Broadcasting, Jamie Kellner, who Dave says has always disliked pro wrestling, made the, t- the decision to effectively cancel all wrestling program on their networks. Well, that pretty that makes it pretty clear. <laughs> yes. yes. So, um, here's a fun thing about Fusion, uh, about the Fusion uh, company that Bischoff. They never having. existed. No, they examined WCW books and realized that the company was in far worse shape than they had been led to believe. They low and because of that, they lowered their initial offer of seventy five million dollars down to forty eight million. <laughs> That's got hurt. Oh, that's. But also, your company's got to be in a state to do that. (laughs) So, Jamie Kellner, who took over, by the way, as CEO, less than two weeks before this went down, and immediately said that we, that Panama City will be the final Nitro broadcast. And guess what they were? And TBS, you know what they did? what his act was for TBS for the Thunder slot. What? TCM classic movies. <laughs> <laughs> they really went, nah, you guys going in the mud right now. <laughs> really Thing did. is, even if they still make, uh, still do lower ratings, uh, the network made more money from showing TCM classic movies than they did Thunder. <laughs> So well, that again, that's a pretty big indictment. Yep. So following yeah. the cancel, the decision to cancel and for Nitro to be the last broadcast on TNT, anyway, Fusion made a last ditch effort to, sh- to to try and secure a TV deal with Fox. But after two days of meetings and calls, both parties could not come to a deal, and it was at that point that Eric Bischoff and Fusion backed out of the sale. This is where we get Vince swooping in from underneath to purchase the WWF. There was, funny enough, at one point, that Jerry Jarrett made a proposal to buy the company. <laughs> yep, that makes sense. Although it was never, it was never considered to happen. Uh, Jarrett would also pull his offer when he found out that the TV show was cancelled as well. But there are rumours going around that Jerry and his son Jeff may be planning to start a new company in the wake of WCW's demise. Could you imagine could you imagine if TNA became the successor to WCW? <laughs> that would be <clears throat> fascinating. Like TNA, but with WCW level resources. <laughs> um so what will the WWF do with WCW? Dave says that that's pretty much still undecided. When the WWE almost brought them back earlier in 2000, the idea then was to keep WCW as a separate entity for a year to rebuild it and then do a big promotion versus promotion feud, which of course, you know, ended up being what we we got. (laughs) But that was solely dependent on if they could still have WCW... Uh, the WCW TV deal, which it no longer had. Now, how could they have done this when, when you think about it, key people in the backstage, including Vince, 
were working on running both WWF and the XFL at this point. Trying so to basically, they had they had their hands on about seventeen different pans, and they couldn't tell where the which burner was on. Exactly. <laughs> and you would you know what makes me laugh? Dave Meltzer goes on record here to say is that a lot of people backstage just wish the company would give up on the XFL and dedicate the energy to WCW because Vince actually it comes to a point where Vince actually knows how to promote wrestling and not football. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that was the bit that they were angry about. It's like, Vince, you know wrestling, not football, and not the fact that Vince was just trying to promote an entire football league as a side project. Yeah. yeah. So, the uh, <laughs> thing is that, though, is that in order to do that, with the plan now of not having a TV slot for WCW, uh, Vince would have to get Viacom to try and open up a primetime spot on TNN or, or on uh, UPN for them to put WCW on that. But of course, they weren't doing that at all. <laughs> because, fuck that, I'm not putting even more programming of yours on our TV station. <laughs> because here's the thing, there was a rumour going around that TNN could, were considering having a separate WCW programme, considering how much of a huge success the WWF coming onto their channel had been for them. But of course, that didn't happen. There's a sentence here, and I quote from Dave, that seems quite relevant to all of this. There's also the chance that McMahon would pick and choose who he wants for a minor invasion angle, which would leave the majority of the wrestlers, announcers, and office personnel out of work. Man, I wonder what that could refer to. <laughs> so it's unclear how many of the WCW contracts will be handled. As we all now know, 24 of the contracts were picked up. Yeah. And all of the big money contracts for WCW were way, way more money than what WWF's top stars were getting. <laughs> Kevin Nash just chilling at home, just like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so for the rest of the year... All of the top stars were able to sit at home and still get paid by Time Warner. Incredible. It's actually outstanding work rate. Like Incredible. You've literally just duped a multi-million dollar company into giving you an absolutely insane contract on the basis of um, the presence of competition. And now that company is folded and you can just get to be there and be like, well, I'm sorry, you are paying me what I'm owed. <laughs> that's what it's there for. so would you be surprised to know that none of the wrestlers were told anything about this la about it being the last nitro until it's wrestling they were never going to be told any of it yep no. many rumors started going around most of the wrestlers thought it was a work because after so many of so many instances of Bischoff and Russo during 2000 working the boys, nobody in that company trusted management or believed anything they said anymore. Don't forget, this is like we're talking about we're talking about wrestling here. We're talking about like Paul Heyman covering up an entire company like in thousands upon thousands of dollars of debt, <laughs> and no one knowing a single thing apart from the wrestlers that he was in their volunteer time, getting to do, like, administration jobs. Mm. Crazy. It's crazy. Some people in the company thought the decision was uh, was ill-timed, especially, uh, especially for wrestling at that time 
hitting a ginormous boom period. Um, and there was a time, of course, when we're talking about this, where WWF was nearly cancelled by the USA Network uh, not so Correct. long ago, which would have been around two years before this all had happened because they were still kind of getting beaten by WCW in the ratings. But when, of course, when the when the huge attitude era happened, it, you know, got them out from the doldrums and the rest is history, as they say. So, also this week, fucking hell, also this week, the infamous Vince McMahon Bob Costas interview on H- HBO aired. <laughs> Yay! The one where he goes, "Would you please let me finish?" And he starts getting more and more angry. Where Bob Costas asks genuine questions, but he doesn't raise his voice, and then starts pointing his finger at me. Uh, points starts pointing his finger at Costas, and he just gets madder and madder. He keeps telling him to shut his mouth, calls him an elitist, and say, "You don't know any. You're not even a journalist, are you?" It's always a good idea when you're at the part of like an interview where you're attacking the person's uh, integrity of their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, there's still a lot of uh, there's still a lot of tension towards uh, WWF and Jerry Lawler at this time, considering Jerry had left the company not too long before all of this had went down. Of course, that yeah. meant that Paul Heyman was on commentary for for most of 2001. The XF this week's XFL game in March on NBC oh, was no. the lowest rated primetime television show in the history of the four major <laughs> networks. <laughs> oh, that's oh, brilliant. That's brilliant, especially considering what I'm gonna be talking about when I when we start this off. <laughs> that is fucking brilliant. And to just have a couple of little bits here and there. Scott Norton won the IWGP title from Kensuke Sasaki this week. Based. Scott Hall worked the full New Japan tour and it went well. Apparently he behaved, stayed out of trouble and enjoyed tagging with Masahiro Chono, which, by the way, there have been a couple of clips of Scott Hall and Masahiro um, uh, like circling the internet and on Twitter and it's great because he sees um, Hiroshi Tenzan's hair and he just pisses himself laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so lovely. Great. Kenta Kabashi had surgery on his right knee. It's the fourth surgery he's had on that one knee in the last two months. Oh my god. <laughs> that man is held together by duct tape by the end team. He retired in that... 2013, by the way, Kenta Kabashi did. Wow. That man is on Rey Mysterio numbers. <laughs> and uh and Antonio Inoki actually did an interview talking about um uh, about WCW folding. And did you believe Ah, uh, because of WCW folding, he wanted to bring Goldberg in to fight for Pride. That is, that is the most Inoki sentence you could have told me. <laughs> Incredible. I, think, a... I, I, I genuinely think the only thing that you could have told me that would have been more Inoki is if he said that Inoki tried to buy WCW and turn it into a shoot promotion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The last couple of things that we need to bring up, of course. Now, there was an original post-WrestleMania plan for a babyface Triple H to feud with a heel Steve Austin. That was the original plan yeah. for what would happen. Um, <laughs> and of course, as we know, WCW was bought out by WWF for two for a cool $2 million. And that also included the uh, images, logos, intellectual properties, 
the entire tape library and as i said 24 of the contracted wrestlers so this brings us to <laughs> wrestlemania <laughs> okay then folks the cold open is a celebration of life, as they call it, of people yeah. across the world watching the most iconic moments of WrestleMania past, narrated by the legendary, classy Freddie Blassie. Look, right, watching this, what I want to know is how the heck did some of these guys, uh, some of these folk get pay-per-view on a small portable TV? See, right, this was a question that I had, but also, and... <sighs> I don't know how to describe this, but it obviously has a very epic feeling to it. Yeah. Right. Because they're using straight up film stock for this. Yes. But, but, but no, but there's, there's something about it that feels wrong. <laughs> like I can't describe what it is, but it's like some of the clips that they use, they're showing like some dude, like watching WrestleMania while cooking like, like a noodle stand. Oh, is that the yeah. guy that watches Yokozuna but, win the title? Like, yeah, but like the entire feeling of it feels like it's from some like Blade Runner-esque dystopia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I know it, what you mean. It's so confusing. God, it feels it makes you realize it's it's not it, you know, a lot of people think it's a very modern thing of WWE kind of tooting their own horn. Nah, no, come on, this no, is this not. is they've been like this for years. Who, who in their right mind thinks that WWE like absolutely just beating off themselves is like a new thing? Probably no, not. it's not a new thing. <laughs> also. The, the guy at the noodle bar smiling over Yoko winning at WrestleMania 9, I'm naturally assuming he didn't see what happened two minutes after Yoko won. Yeah, I know, I know, that's what I mean. I was just like, I was like, this just feels, this feels wrong. You're going to do the J-O-B, dude. <laughs> that won't work for me, brother. <laughs> so after that, here we are, fellas. It's the 1st of April, 2001. The Reliant Astrodome in Houston, Texas. The state's very first WrestleMania, funnily enough. That is See, that that feels strange. That feels so wrong. Like, Texas, of all places, should have had one by By, by this time, absolutely. 2001? Like... But let me say, right, while we have all this stuff going on, I know, obviously, it's intangibly attached to it at this point, but I feel like there could have been no other soundtrack to this WrestleMania other than Limp Bizkit. No, no, oh. no, no. No, no. Mm. we're going to talk about that in further detail. We but, will. God, but, we will. I, but just to make things very quick, I have to get my feelings on... Basically, my general feelings on this pay-per-view, and especially this moment, the mm. opening. <laughs> so... Just to, you know, because we're weird like that, I have to use this. So in music, in pop music criticism. <laughs> yes. Fit with me here. And you probably know this, Dan. Okay, yeah. There is a term called imperial phase. It's mm -hmm. relatively new. It's basically yeah. the period in which an artist is regarded to be at their commercial and creative peak. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's your um, it's your Ziggy Stardusts, your Dark yeah, Side yeah. of the Moon. You like everyone, like the golden age of an artist. Yeah. Mm. Every single thing about 
WrestleMania 17 <laughs> screams Imperial phase. Absolutely. Yes. It is the moment of absolute, not even dominance, absolute monopoly. With, oh, yeah, yeah have, without question. Have, well, because have, it's obviously worth saying that contextually, two weeks before this, there were three major US wrestling companies, and at the point of this event happening, there is now one. Yes. And, WWE, and WWF at the time has subsumed both of them into its corporate being. Yeah. Yeah. Like like WCW, if I'm correct, if I'm correct, is is dead last week. Yes. Yeah. De- de- well, dead, and ECW, ECW was the week before that. Yeah, it was the week before. There are WCW people in the seats. Yes. Yes. Watching, we'll that. watching, watching this, watching this pay per view. So for them, like it is no joke. Literally, WWF's way or the oh, highway. Yeah. Literally, yeah. yes. <clears throat> and I and I feel like this is like the fascinating thing. Watching it is it's it's really got a feel of this isn't like a pay per view. This is a coronation. Yeah. So here, so is. this was the thing I was going to say, which is it's one of my notes about this. Hmm. <clears throat> The only way I can describe this opening is decadence. Yes. Oh, with, yeah. And, yeah. And you know what? And you know, what? I kind of like, I had to really make sure like when this was, it's in April. Like, yeah. It April is, 1st, even. Yeah. It is April 1st. It is literally an end of an era, pull, like, culturally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 9 11 is six, like, six months away. Mm hmm. Yeah. E- Five, five, five months. Yeah, five months five away. Months? Yeah, five months. Five, six months. It will, yeah, five, six months. Five, six months away. It will never be like this ever again in yeah. the world. No. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, no, this is, this is absolutely, um, like, I mean, it's, it's obviously weird to try and conceptualize but i guess this would be like the wrestling equivalent of like um oh, like the interwar period in yeah. a sense this yeah no the, you're right this, this is the this true is the, nexus the cultural nexus point where everything changed was april the first yeah, yeah. no, honestly like honestly because it's like with some of the stuff i'm see i when i was watching it it was a real big. They don't make them like this anymore. They, and, yeah. Oh no! And also, you literally can't. No. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, like, I, yeah. It, everything about this is naturally designed to feel epic. Obviously, the entire theme of it is quite appropriately black and gold. Yeah. <laughs> and like everything's designed. Mm-hmm. to be that way but then and it's actually interesting that you say that because now that i think about it in that kind of context it makes you aware of um i mean i think a thing of this is is to understand the cultural place that wrestling held at the yeah. time yes because like it's kind of by this point subsumed the counterculture which it piggybacked off of and then kicked down into a drain Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously became the massive corporate entity that it is now. Yeah. Hmm. 
crazy. It's crazy when you really think about it. this. I know it's like you know it's like it could be under or overstated, but you can't be overstated when you say that this event was the point where everything changed. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So, man, the nostalgia I have when the opening graphic comes up and Limp Biscuit kicks in. Hell Holy yes, shit. Limp fucking Biscuit, baby. All right, oh, now, we're start, now we're done talking about how it's really cool and it feels really epic and everything. Can I talk about one thing, which is why the fuck are the audio levels so off? It's, <laughs> no, no. This, the all night, the audio levels were so off. All actually, night can, actually can we make a quick point as to, as to how we've all said it wrong and it's actually WrestleMania X7? Uh, yeah, but like, look, right? Look, I'm, not, I'm, not sim- I'm not a simpleton, so I say seven. <laughs> it bugs. Yeah, the okay. Out of me. It's WrestleMania X seven. Cool. Are you happy now? Like- I have. Listen, <laughs> listen. They did it. Don't blame. Why are you booing me? Sorry, I am literally right. I have a safe <laughs> boo words. <laughs> Sorry, it's not WrestleMania nineteen. It's WrestleMania X I X. That's it. There we go. There, there we, we go. go. There we go, man. Yeah. All right. Why the hell are these audio levels so goddamn low? So so strange. The whole thing. And obviously, I want to chalk it up to the audience is simply so loud. Yeah. That it's that it's getting in the way. If yeah. yeah if it wasn't the case that the commentators are attached to the broadcast stream. <laughs> and are therefore functionally like not affected <laughs> by <laughs> what the crowd are doing. Why are they so low in the mix? What's going on so, here? So, so strange. Just, we're start. We're night. starting off, and I can hardly. I feel like I can hardly hear them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Limp Biscuit kicks in. Pyro goes nuts as we open WrestleMania 17. 67,900 or 67,925 packed into the Astro Dome. With 1,040,000 watching at home, making this the biggest pay-per-view WWF has ever put on and the biggest buy rate in wrestling pay-per-view history. Imperial phase. We yes. should like some extra numbers with this because I fa- managed to find some extra statistics for this event alone. I was just going to say, Monopoly. So... $3.5 million was made at the gate. Jesus Christ. At the gate? Yes. With 1.1 million at the merch stand. Ticket price was an average of $56.17, with $20 spent at the concession stand. This was the first stadium show WWF had put on since SummerSlam 92 at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, but that all goes down to like their whole philosophy thing because they always complained about how a stadium. They always used to complain about how like stadiums had like bad seating and bad like. Mm. Yeah, they always complained about how like stadiums had like bad atmosphere and stuff. And I'm like, they definitely don't. <laughs> Otherwise, like most con- most stadium concerts in the UK would just like not be a thing, mm-hmm. and they very patently are a very big thing over here. That's crazy though when you think about it. One point one million at the merch stand, and there's sixty seven thousand nine hundred and what people? Nine hundred, yeah, sixty seven thousand nine hundred and twenty five. Three point five Con- mil at the gate. <laughs> 
so converting converting that sixty seven thousand or so people into one point one million dollars in merch at the event on the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would you believe insane conversion rate? Would you believe they even sold out the WWF New York restaurant? in Times Square on the day of this event. Yeah, but that makes yeah. sense, though, because I imagine people were like, oh, like, oh, we can't get tickets to go there. We'll go to WWF New York, because I assume WWF New York was probably showing it. Yes, they would have been showing it. It would have been a premium event, so you would have had to pay to get in. Yeah, yeah but that's... Um, but you got a free course meal. You got drinks as well with all of that. Uh, you got to, you know, you just got to eat and drink and watch WrestleMania. See, this is what I'm saying. I, I reckon there's still a market for this. Unfortunately, you know, now the WWF New York is now a hard rock cafe in Times Square. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, but like in principle, mm. I feel like there is definitely a market for a wrestling hope. sports bar. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, right? Because this is one of these things I've spoken to of my mates before. Because uh, so, for context, me and my friends are very big F one fans. Mm. Mm. If there was a place that we could go to to watch that would show at Formula One, mm-hmm. I reckon people would probably go to it because a big barrier for people watching it is the fact you need to have like a Sky package, mm-hmm. yeah. and like. Obviously, it is a thing over here that, like, you know, bars will show WWE events. Yeah. yeah. But, like, you know, it, it, you know, for them, it's often quite expensive because they have to have the cost of paying to have the commercial license to show it. Yeah. But also the fact of, you know, like, WrestleMania happens at, like, 2 a.m. over here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've, I genuinely think there is a market for this. Exactly. WWF New York is not an idea that should necessarily be left to time to wither away. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, you know, it was a shame because my brother was like, oh, I'll go to WWF New York. And I said, Stuart, it's been gone since 2003. No, wait, this was 2007 he was going to New York. I said, no. <laughs> So yeah, it's a hard rock cafe now, so you can go there if you want. So anyway, I digress. On Coventry, we have Jim Ross and Paul Heyman providing some of the best commentary, I think, that both pair of them have done in their careers. But And also we'll get to it. The and also Jim Jim Ross says says one line in passing that starts a tradition. It does, yeah. But before we get onto the main show, let us watch. The Sunday Night Heat pre-show. Hell yeah. Our opening match, our heat match, I should say, is X-Factor, the team of Just Incredible and X-Pac, teaming up, uh, facing off against Grandmaster Sexay and Steve Blackman. Of course, uh, Grandmaster Sexay and Steve Blackman dance so they can get their shit in, so they, so they do, so you know they're definitely losing. Two minutes of X-Pac just going, X Factor win. X Factor get the win. Woo! We can move swiftly. This on. is what I say when not all wrestling in the in the attitude slash proto ruthless aggression era was necessarily good. <laughs> oh no! But as I always say and have been saying, much like my princes on Wrestle Buddy, we will respect the dark match. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this brings us 
properly into the main card and to our very first match. It's Chris Jericho versus William Regal for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, build up for this match is seeing the newly minted commissioner, Regal, butting heads with the rebellious rock star and current IC champ, Jericho. Regal has made his life a living hell with constant ha handicap matches to kind of just get Jericho off of his game. But Jericho would eventually get his revenge with the infamous backstage tea promo, pissing into his teapot and, and for Regal to drink it in the best Dumber and Dumber face I've ever seen. You know that scene, really, <laughs> that Dumber and Dumber oh, scene? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the go-home Raw, Jericho ran in on Regal's match against Crash as Doink the Clown and put him in the walls of Jericho. Which... Just... Which leads us to, uh, which led on to the go home smackdown of uh, Regal putting Jericho in the Regal stretch and injuring his left arm, and has led us to this match. Fun fact: uh, Shawn Michaels actually in his second in Jericho's second I... book, Shawn Michaels said to Jericho, <laughs> "I love this story." Saw Jericho in the Doink costume and went, "Oh man, they put you in the Doink costume? Oh come on, you're better than that, Jericho." I love it so much because it just shows you just how spaced Sean <laughs> was at that time. Goodness. Oh, God. Ah, right. So, starting off with a solid match here. Uh, two yeah. Yeah. solid wrestlers in Jericho and Regal. I, I have to say this because I, I, the moment I saw it, um, I put notes. I got copious notes like we all do. Yes. I put my notes. Um, one, it's fascinating that Paul Heyman is on commentary because, like, for the for such an auspicious, for such an auspicious, important pay per view, it's kind of funny that it isn't. Um, yeah. It isn't King. It isn't King and yeah. Ross. Like, especially considering this is like this is basically considered the end of the Attitude Era. So for King not to be there, it's kind of funny. It's kind yeah. of funny. But the most important thing for this match is this: Regal is a square. Almost looks like Walter. Yes. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I was built like SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> I've always, I've always said it as in William Regal was at the time was built like someone made a man out of stacking bricks on top of each other. Absolutely. I just watched and I'm kind of like, wow, he saw. Oh my god, he looks like he's turning into Walter. That is weird as shit. Like, his his shoulders deadass have a 90 degree angle on them. Yeah. I'm so freaking low, mate. Yeah, Regal was, uh... Yeah, Regal was spelt. Square and spelt in 2001. Um... Oh no, great. This is a really good opener. We get like early on Jericho going in with, with, the, with the chops, lighting Regal's chest up immediately. A, a, a big old tope, uh, tope, uh, uh, suicida. Jericho overshoots, by the way. He almost yes, down with yes. Mrs. Regal. Yes. Um, an early attempt into the walls of Jericho's thwarted by Regal as he goes for the injured left shoulder and throws it into the ring post twice. Oh, it's, isn't, it, isn't it great that I'm making notes of like simple ring psychology of going back oh, to the yeah. thing that he injured the, Sam, a couple of days before? It doesn't matter though, because in this match, we get a double wrist lock. Yes, double yeah. wrist like, lock, baby. It's a fucking double wrist lock. I do not care. Like That's like a half star on its own. I love it. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. love the, I love the, uh, the German release that Regal does and just plants yep. Jericho right on his head. <laughs> 
Uh, Watching matches like this really does show you how good Jericho is at not getting injured. Yes. Kind of fascinating to see. He's he's been incredible at being very lucky and not getting too injured. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We get Regal removing the buckle pad and throwing uh, Jericho's left shoulder into it. Genius again with the psychology. Oh, by the way, didn't see uh, didn't see this coming. We get we get Brian Danielson roundhouse kicks from Regal yep. to Jericho's chest. True, true. Yes. Actually, I never considered that. But that's countered into uh, but for, into an enziguri by Jericho. Nice little uh, missile drop kick from Jericho for the two. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Right, <laughs> stinger splash missed by Jericho. Uh, which sets Regal up with a top rope butterfly suplex, which you do not see Regal do very often. No, yeah, yeah. The mo- I saw like when I was watching, I'm like, <coughs> Regal's Regal's up top. Yeah, it's like, that what, that's like what? That's like what? What is this man doing up here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Oh, so with with Jericho trying to attempt the walls of Jericho, but his left shoulder giving out, that gives Regal the opening to go into the Regal stretch. And it's this moment where it's like, oh crap, he's busted his lip open. Yes. Yeah. And again, Jericho going back to the chops, lighting Regal's chest up. And then a very quick lion salt hitting the mark and getting the free very yeah. abruptly. I have that to say, I did... I did like the suplex lion salt setup. Yes. Uh, it was I a th- good setup. I think there might have been a bit of a <sighs> communication uh, issues because I think Regal was off the mark in where he was supposed to be positioned when Jericho was. Oh, yeah. The no. So that's why he went for the suplex into the lion salt for the free. Apparently, yeah. from what I heard, Jericho said he didn't really, uh, he just didn't mesh well with Regal. I beg to differ. They both worked quite well in this match, if you ask me. Was it that they didn't mesh well, or was it that Jericho didn't want to mesh well with William Regal? Also, I have to say, William Regal at this time is um, not at the fastest, Mm. but he is quite explosive. So... Yeah. Like uh, all his I, moves have great have like a great pop and a great kind of energy to them, but kind of in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is. I think yeah. I think it's a it's a matter of his actual movement pace that might be a problem. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like if if Regal was faster or slower, it would have worked. But Next instead, year. he's in between. Ain't it crazy that just like sev- like give him more several years and. Like his moveset is like he's so snappy and fast, especially like he's King of the Ring kind of run when yeah. Regal had. Like his moves were so fast, snappy, and looked like they bloody hurt because half the time he was knee dropping you right on the fucking head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great show. Like nothing, nothing to like. Not the most like the greatest match these two have ever had, but it was a good start to the show. And for me, yeah. it gets a three out of five. Yeah, I was going for a free. I I do feel like that finish is so strange and abrupt. Yes, and like costs it half a star for me <laughs> because it just kind of like it just I was like, wait, that's how it ends? Shit! And like, because remember, I've watched I haven't watched this pay per view in years, so I'm like, wait, that, that's how it went down? <laughs> you say like. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was weird as hell. But you know what? Because it's like the opener, it's not like a big deal. Exactly. Correct. And guess what, boys? We're in agreement because I gave it a three out of five. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, Sean. There we go. 
There we go. Yeah, it, it is literally just two guys that you could be like, hey, go have a match. Mm-hmm. And like you could just be there on a moment's notice and you'd be like, all right, cool. And then just like give you this. And yeah. you'd be like, yeah, that's like a three out of five every single time. I'm going to yeah. say it now. Might get me a bit of controversy. Might get me a bit of stick online. Peak Jericho was this time. Was peak Potentially, Jericho. yeah. Uh, yeah. I- you're, I, mean, you're, you're, I mean, you're the one who made that Chris Jericho is not the goat. So you, you, you so I come to you for your hot Chris Jericho takes. So. <laughs> Me and Joseph probably both agree that was probably peak Jericho. <laughs> Just... Well, that or maybe his 2008-9 run. Yeah, I, I'd be tempted to say the 2008-9. <laughs> maybe we'll... That's a question for another day. Yeah, we'll leave that for the Chris Jer- for another Chris Jericho episode if we ever decide to do a second one. Indeed. Probably never. Indeed. Alrighty then. A stretch <clears throat> limo pulls up to the Reliant Astrodome with a WCW1 license plate. Who should en- who should uh, exit the limo? But it's the new WCW owner, Shane McMahon. He's entered the building and he's looking ready for his match. Next, we have the APA and Jacqueline backstage, and Bradshaw, of course being from Texas, starts listing off all of the sportsmen <laughs> that have come from Texas, and unfortunately I've never heard of them either, guys. Okay, yeah. but the no. APA door, that's all I care about. Yeah, I, I love okay, so the APA. There are two things, there are like a few things that I care about. One, I kind of forgot that Jacqueline was like just with the APA. Yes. Mm. It's kind of weird. I, I don't hate it, it's just kind of a... Huh. You're just like, oh yeah, she was involved as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Two, uh, just the long-haired, black-haired Bradshaw is cursed as hell. It feels wrong, doesn't no, it? You know what's so, really, especially what's I was going to say, do you, want, do you know what's even more cursed, though? It's this what? transitional period from yes. APA to JBL, isn't it? <laughs> No, that's true. There, there is a, there is a time, there's a brief period of time. I think like 2003. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or may, it might even be 2000. It might be like 2002 to 2003, mm. somewhere in that time. There is a short haired JBL that still has the moustache. God, that's disgusting. And it is, it is horrible. It feels, it feels like I'm looking at a cryptid. It's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. all right. With that, with that backstage promo with the APA, it is time for our second match. It's the right to censor versus the APA, and it's Taz. All right, but like, hear me out though. Why does the art? Why does the right to censor theme slap? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Warning. Warning. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Because I was kind of listening, like, no. Why is this kind of a bop? That's what what I mean. In in like a kind of um, anti-capitalist proto hyper pop way. Yeah, that's like like semi-ironic proto hyper pop anti-capitalist way and not in a I'm being a contrarian. Is it I was gonna say, is it up there with Bastion Booger and TL Hopper's theme as like noise ones that are just like pure noise. No 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 no, no, that that dead ass sucks, but the right to censor like I hear it and I'm like, you know what? Like hear me out. Like, I could see myself, like, I could actually see myself in a basement just nodding along to it. Weird <laughs> One hell. billion percent. Also, another thing that's weird to see, the right to censor through, like, at, to a man, are horses. Yes. Oh, it, it's a thing that I will never get tired of saying. Yo, Bull Buchanan was mad athletic for his yes, size. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, and we'll get to that more uh, as well. Like, 
like let me just try and explain this this guy who is like six foot plus could as a regular part of his moveset would jump up to the top rope remember the scissors kick was his finisher yeah like this dude was a unit Mm -hmm. and was doing some absolutely mad athletic stuff so, chaps, if you need to know what the RTC was, or to anyone listening, if they want to know what the right to censor yeah, was, Pokedex, Pokedex, the right, Pokedex to the right to censor. Ah, uh, the Go WWF's ahead. thinly veiled dig at the Parents' Teachers Commission, which at the time they were having a lawsuit with them at the moment. The Parents' Teacher Commission wants to sue the WWF for fifty-five million dollars. I think, no, no, it was the WWF that actually put the lawsuit to the Parents Teacher Commission because they, the PTC, came uh, came up with the um, with the accusation that SmackDown had caused the deaths of several children uh, during its run uh, during its like run from 99 to now. Now, would you believe yeah. uh, the WWF actually won the case, settled, I think, for about several million, and uh, the P- PTC went out of business and were forced to publicly apologise to the WWF. All while during this court lawsuit is happening, Vince thinks it's a good idea to take the piss out of the PTC by bringing us the right to censor. Imperial face. Let me just say, right, that whole stuff with, like, I don't think people understand, like, the absolute grip of, like, pseudo-evangelical groups in US politics at the time. I mean, of course, they they have, they still have massive influence now, if not even more. (laughs) And when you read up on that PTC case, like, I have problems with WWF, WWE as, like, an entity. You read that PTC case, and it is insane, some of the stuff that they try and follow through with. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, like, more, like, the the outward cultural power was insane and those kinds of guys had a lot like um, so for Vince McMahon to do this is ridiculous and it worked yeah (laughs) right the censor are great they're a great heel faction yes so the RTC led by Stephen Richards consisted of members Bull Buchanan (laughs) Val Venus the good father Ivory and for one little swerve at a time the Dudley boys (laughs) I really, because we know that, like, famously, the gimmick of the Godfather was 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 invented by his wife. Yes. I wonder how much she cackled when when they gave her the good when they gave him the Godfather. I wanted I that conversation must have been incredible. Well, when we get Your Charles honey, right on the show. Get, we'll See, right, here's the here's the here's here's my thing with the Godfather, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I'm always just astounded about how much stock WWE puts in to affirming the Good Father as being a legendary character of wrestling. Mm-hmm. When I'm yeah. always there, and I go, "Okay, but what did the Good? What did the Godfather actually do?" He had an IC title run, and that's about it. And then, they ne- the and then they and then they and then they never mentioned the good father. No. It's literally they either mention Papa Shango or they mention the Godfather. The good father does not exist. Although as I will maintain, the move from the Godfather to the Good Father is inspired. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely inspired. Really? And all I'm saying is they never changed the name of the Ho train, but here's the thing. They really miss out on calling it the Holy Driver. Oh, oh they messed up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. They should have done it. They should have pulled the trigger on that. Although I do like the thing they did in this match where they were like, well, we know what he would have called it in years past, but we don't know what he calls it now. Yes. Mm. So... Yeah, basically this starts off outside as the art. Well, well, Stephen Richards tried to cut a promo, but Taz cuts him off with his music. <laughs> Man, I love that Taz is still a prominent dude in wrestling, you know? Yeah, yeah. Taz is just Taz is great. Taz is like that is like that slightly strange uncle you have that comes yeah. to the family gatherings, but like he's really cool. So you're always just like, I'm willing to look past the slightly weird bits. Basically, he's that sort of uncle that goes, hey, you want this watch? I got it from Joey Numbers in the back of a van. Absolutely. That is that is it. <laughs> Absolutely reminds me of one of my uncles who I love and is insane, but also cooks like a master chef. It's like... Oh, yeah, no, Taz definitely on the grill at the cookout. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the match starts... Now, oh, can, okay. I, can I say one thing about this match? And I know yeah. I'm skipping way ahead here. Does Farouk do anything in this? Farouk? <laughs> yeah. Farouk does have a huge power slam. He does I have a huge power slam. The, I, actually had the, I actually had the same reaction, but for Taz. Mm. Oh, no, Taz just gets beat up. <laughs> it's weird as hell that Taz gets beat up. Taz just gets... It, Taz, in a, in a moment, it's probably one of the only very few botches in this entire pay-per-view. Taz kind of just gets flung into the ropes and loses his balance yeah. and has to, like, <laughs> fall back on Val and Bull. That's weird. But saying that, Taz does does do a ginormous T-bone suplex to Bull Buchanan during this Yes. Match. So, oh, yeah. early on in the match, though, Stevie Richards tries to attack Taz, but is DDT'd for his troubles by Jacqueline, which which then realises that, oh, crap, I remember the whole White Sox gimmick that Stevie had during this time. Yep. <laughs> um, it's a very it's about quick here, there, here and there. We've got Bull Buchanan doing the springboard kind of jump off the corner clothesline. Again, showing that the dude that was massive should not have that amount of agility, but he did. Yes. Um, Farouk coming in with Blaze Glory and a huge power slam. Bull eventually ta uh, cutting off Taz. Again, as I said, it gets to the point where Taz kind of spill spills into the ropes and then falls mm -hmm. back on them. But when he, um, but when Val tries to Irish whip Taz into the corner, Taz kind of does it again where he loses his balance but manages to kind of catch himself. I reckon that he was slightly slipping over on those absolutely oversized trouser legs that he was packing. Yes. Uh, we get the hoe train from the good father. <laughs> but it is, because again, it isn't the hoe train because of the RTC. Flying yeah, I think, honestly, Holy Driver is, is what I'm going to call it. Holy so, Driver. Yeah. Yeah. The flying whoopsie from good father is missed as Bradshaw yeah. gets the hot tag. <laughs> back, the back body drop that Bradshaw does to good father almost ending horribly. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But uh, Val gets the tag and eats a fall away slam for his troubles. Farouk gets in and does the double spine <clears> buster. <throat> a big back superplex from Badshaw. 
Ball and Good Father powerpomp Bradshaw. But the whole train is missed from the Good Father, and Bradshaw, that's all that Bradshaw needs to hit him with the clothesline from hell for the free. Yo, he hits that big. He hits he that mustard. He hits it. He hits it like big, but he also hits it so damn quickly. Mm. Like he straight up hoises his entire body into it. <laughs> it's brilliant. This gentlemen signifies the right to censor's first ever pay-per-view loss. What really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wow. yeah, we all go home happy. Yeah, this was a quick and easy tag match. Some of the spots though I felt let it down a little, so I can't rate it too high, so which is why I'm hovering between 2.75 and 3. I'm probably going to go yeah. to 2.75 uh, out of 5 for this one. Yeah, I I had it at 2.9, but honestly I think 2.7 Five is correct. It does the job, but it's like, and Taz just doesn't get me. Oh, they, that really did annoy me. Yeah, yeah. They, they. I, it just like the thing I really liked was obviously that Paul, Paul Heyman was putting Taz over big, like on the commentary. Yes, but then he just never let him show that. <laughs> you know, they never really get to show it other than like the T bone, mm-hmm. which is a shame because mm. I think I think with a bit more time. This could you could have got some really really good stuff out like just like obviously that whole thing of like let everyone get their shit in wasn't really as much of a thing <laughs> yet. But they, but this is the kind of match that really could have used it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went with two and a half stars, uh, with a tiny asterisk that says like that's a five star clothesline from James, from yes. Bradshaw. <laughs> Absolutely. Alrighty then, chaps. To quote Jay from OSW Review, here comes Trish and sweet zombie Linda. <laughs> but what about the Snickers Cruncher bar? Oh, yes. What about the Snickers Crunch this. You like that, <laughs> y'all? So, like, just so of its time. This I had a Snickers Cruncher once. But, it wasn't bad. But, 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 yeah. let, but let me say, right... So I'll mention this a lot more when we get to a later match that I kind of partially forgot about the whole like Linda being paralyzed stuff. Oh, I didn't. Ah, uh, yes. And well, like I could remember that it happened, but I kind of forgot like the details of it. Mm-hmm. I got left with like like the um the slightly blurry outline of it. I just like I go in and I just see it. And I was like. Oh, this was happening at the time, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, was it? Happening? Oh, was it? Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Heavily medicated future member of the Trump cabinet, Linda McMahon. <laughs> Genuinely just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, and you know what? It's Her stare is actually rather creepy. Yes, it is. Her, it is. Her stare is rather damn creepy. Hence, sweet zombie Linda. <laughs> like... No, I will say no. Straight up, why is she so good at it? Yeah, like it's like, genuinely disconcerting. Yes, which makes me wonder. Actually, no, it does make me wonder what's been going on in the Maman family household. But I digress. Um, <laughs> Stephanie pops in and tells Trish that she's <clears> late <throat> and that at least one child turned out okay when she when she points to <laughs> points to Linda. 
Okay. So Steph then lets Trish know that when Vince wins and kicks Shane's butt, she has to get champagne and, and crack the ice with a spoon in the celebration. Okay, this is <laughs> this just Steph being See, the billion dollar I, princess. This is what... I wanna I wanna no, I have to say this now. I have to say this now. What in the name of all that is good and holy were they thinking with Steph in these hair? <laughs> oh come on. Oh what we'll do with the crimp. The crimp. <laughs> I it is looking like it's, she... it's 90s teen princess. Exactly. Exactly. She's she's like 27 in this. Yeah, I know. But but it's, like just, but just rock it, but, with it. No, but she, she has should... to be she has to be rocking the, the juicy couture looking tracksuit. She cannot look like she is slowly morphing into Meadow Soprano. Her with a Claire's accessories looking ass. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the aesthetic. That's no, okay. This is this is like a te- this is like a technical thing that I'm going to get into because I really want to know why she says crack the ice in your hand because that's what you do when you're shaking a cocktail, and she's saying to get champagne. So is she putting ice in her champagne? Is the question I have here. Yeah, I think so. Or yes. does she literally want a crushed ice bucket that Trish has done? By hand, <laughs> I basically mm. she's a philistine. <laughs> Look, I need to answer these bartending questions because I spent a year working a bar. I am confused. <laughs> I I thought it would have been like you crush it and then put it in the glass. That's, you wouldn't need to like, do that with champagne though. No, you I, just I, ice I, the I, bottle. Listen, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm saying that's what I think that she's getting at. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie McMahon drinks watered-down champagne. You heard it here first. Uh, I thought you was about to say... I thought you was about to say Stephanie eats called the long way, but I digress. No. Let us get to match three. It is Raven versus Kane versus Big Show, a triple threat match for Let's the hardcore title. Let's fucking go. Oh, we're here already, people. Here we go. And the first, and the first thing we hear... Come 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 why does Raven have Frankenstein's monster, monster in his trolley? And he's because... wearing a Deathstroke t-shirt, my I add as well. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, just... made a, I made a note of that. I made a note. That's fascinating. Because Deathstroke wasn't like... I'm like, where the, where the fuck did he get that shirt? This is 2001. Deathstroke isn't that well known. Dude, Raven was, Raven's about it. Raven was always wearing comic shirts. So like, he wore the, I remember he's like the most iconic one. He's wore uh, like a Sandman shirt in ECW. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, to get a Deathstroke shirt, mm. it's like so you had to actively go and find a comic store to yeah. get that. And Raven like, probably did. And yes. he probably still looked like he would absolutely crush it on a night out while wearing it. Exactly. Yeah, it's, I was fascinated watching that shirt. And... Look, I have to say, I, I put it in the note. Original flavor cane just yes. so different. Yeah, no, right. Yes. Let's just get, let's just throw it. Let, we don't even do it. OG cane is like certified. Yes. He is 100% certified. He is fucking huge. I was going to say, in this match, he is yoked. <laughs> just, oh my God. I, it's just everything about him just screamed like I'm suddenly just I was like yeah 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 that's it that's all I want that's all I want in life is this is this guy 
this guy doing his thing. Yep. Oh man. But like, no, like seeing Raven come down to the ring, and like, like I feel like I can read his face of like, oh man, do I really have to be here right yes. now? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it makes it better though because it's almost it feels very much like the. All right, all I've got to do is be here against two giant man mountains and survive. Barely, my I am. <laughs> but like, I I just love it though, and like I know like the shopping trolley was like a thing that he did because he was like, yeah. yeah, look, I'll just get everything in. Yeah, oh, like, so... I've got to work with what I've got, but I'm, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, this cane is coming down. Bam! Raven hits Kane over the head with a side, and we're off to the races even before the third person's come out. And then we get. I love the thing of the big show entering while they're still brawling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. They're, was brawl- they're brawling, and so you hear, "Well, it's the classic." Because it's, the, well, cause it's the, the cause it's the thing. It's the thing of like I assume that, that like yo look, it's a hardcore match with like psychology. Mm. Of Raven being like, well, if there's only one giant guy I have to beat, I might as well do it now yes. before the match has even started and just whacks him with a stop sign. And then <laughs> yeah. you just fuck that. They're, they're, they're brawling and they can't wait to hear. It's the fucking best. It's the it's big so show. Good. Yes, he's back from his forced demotion <clears throat> to OVW. Uh, why, he was, why was he there? He was told to lose weight. And he was off TV as a punishment for gaining too much weight. So it was forced <laughs> down to OVW. So it's good to see Big Show here looking big and nasty whilst walking yeah. down the ring. <laughs> so as he's walking down the ring and gets gets to the uh, to ringside, Kane lifts Raven and throws him into Big Show. But Show <laughs> sees this and puts Raven into a dragon sleeper. Kane sees this and decides to throw himself off the top rope and into both of them. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Uh, oh, we're going, and after this, chaps, we're not going back in the ring. We're going for a walk, everybody. They're like, they're like, and yeah, let's take this outside. Yes, and oh boy, do they! Oh, shame for the camera crew because they can't keep up with the three of them as the crowd yeah. is just yeah. following them. But you know what? That actually kind of works a yes. lot. I really loved how how the characters like having to move out of the way, and it's just it it looks like a war movie at one point. I yes. love how at one point they switch to like an aerial angle. <laughs> yes, I love what I got noted here. Kane throws Big Show into a wall as Kane gets twatted over the head with a sign, and we're into the backstage area. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say the best bit about this entire backstage section. Tell me how you guys feel about this. Kane feels like the monster in a horror movie. Yes. Yes. He is straight up like the Jason Voorhees. Absolutely. Because it's just like they're going through and like Raven's trying to run away and you just see this fucking six foot eleven looking guy in a mask just follow behind him in this aggressively wide stance. Every yeah. time Kane should have popped on the camera, you should have just heard the do 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 like like no like I I would have loved it if they just added a dramatic sting every time Kane just appeared because every time he appears it is literally like something out of a horror movie. It's so wonderful. Right. What's even more wonderful is is Kane getting trying is Raven trying to strangle this man with a garden hose. It's yes. failing, yeah. and in response, Kane throws him through a fucking, fucking window. window. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> 
May I just add before that though, like when they get into that maintenance cage sort of area, yeah, uh, where Raven tries to lock him and show in it, Cage just like you didn't lock that properly, just opens the door easily. By the way, when Kane gets that plank of wood and hits Big Show over the back of it, how it snapped and the other police just went flying. Holy <laughs> crap! He twatted him over the back. <laughs> I do love how like the, these guys are so hoss so big that like when they're trying to do like the throw through the wall spot they just kind of tip and they just immediately yeah they just fall over collapses just disintegrate talking about the the window um spot i love i just realized what i've typed here so after raven tried to choke out kane with a garden hose kane sees that and he took it personally so throws raven through a window show not to be outdone throws kane through the door and then through the wall It's just just the thing of then, like, they've gone through that. Like, they've both taken each other through the wall. They've kind of, like, just collectively fallen into it. Because, fun fact, I think on my watching, when Big Show tries to put Kane through it, Kane hits one of the wooden support struts that doesn't break. (laughs) That isn't drywall. Oh. So, and then Raven just appears and starts beating on them while they're on the floor. So, seeing the seeing the obvious that he's seen, Raven decides to make a quick getaway in a golf cart and only gets three feet before Show catches up to him, hops on the back, and they both crash into a ditch. It's so good. Now, this is the infamous moment yes. where Raven... Almost killed the power to the entire Astrodome. Oh, that's where it was. Yeah, he 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 ran over the power cable. Oh shit! <laughs> and you can see what was supposed and to happen. I, and it's I, supposed to be. And bit... I love it so much because. <laughs> Yeah. When he's done the interviews about it, and he said, like, no, the problem was is that all the weight went on one side. Yeah. <laughs> so it just went off to the left. So that's why you could see him as well. He was trying to get it out of the ditch because he there was supposed it was supposed to be prolonged. So Kane mm. uh, no, so all three of them have to call an audible as Kane commandeers his own golf cart. Oh, is that Kane in Kane in the golf cart? With the ref, may I add. Oh yeah, he just and don't forget, in, don't forget the ref is still carrying the title belt. <laughs> yes, uh, and Kane decides to run over Raven. <laughs> I was so scared because that I'm like, if you hit, if he doesn't duck in that right moment, his leg is getting crushed by that golf yeah. cart. Like, I should have oh said God. also as well, like slightly earlier. There's a spot where um, they where um, Kane tries to like. I mean, I just called it the goozle spot. The goozle spot, yes. Just because he literally just goes for the, like, he's like he's going for the choke sign and gets blocked off, and it's the fucking funniest thing. Uh-huh. Now, right, we've had all this. We've had them chasing each other on the golf carts. But but, but what about the Diet Peach Schnapple? <laughs> yeah, the, the Diet Peach Schnapple, Paul Heyman's favourite. <laughs> they, now, <laughs> they get out onto the stage. Yeah. And let me tell you one of my favorite bits about this because, like, they're like they're all like they're bleeding, they're like plodding about. I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it's Big Show, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that hits Kane, right? Kane goes down, and now obviously Big Show's over. Like he's got like Raven, 
Like he's going to put him over the edge. And the funniest thing to me is just in the back of shot, you see Kane do the sit up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks it's so funny to me. And I don't know why. Oh, it's just that it's like, like, like as soon after that, Kane just gets right back up. Big boots show. Whilst he's got him, whilst he's got Raven in the gorilla press off the ramp and into the WrestleMania set, and Kane decides to just do a giant, massive fucking elbow, which, by the way, Jim Ross they call miss, a calls leg it drop. a leg drop. It's an elbow onto Big Show. I was like, if he's trying to hit a leg drop there, he has missed wildly. <laughs> but it's just the visual of, like, Big Show having Raven in the gorilla press and yes. you just see Kane sit up, yes. and it just looks so funny. Oh man, it's it's so brilliant. Kane gets the free. He's the new hardcore champion. This was an awesome match. There were some really good spots here. Just for the pure factor of it, just all of it, all of what this entails, this gets a four out of five for me. It's just everything you want to see in this kind of match. Just also, you know, like funny thing was I've noticed was that like how hype Kane was to win it. Yes. Yes. Like he looked like he's about, he's just like yeah, and he's just kind of like pushing the um, like pushing the little bit, mm. like pushing the wall, like he's like he's like he's just like he's just hit a career highlight. Mm. It's funny as hell, but yeah, definitely a four out of five for me. Just a delight to watch. Yes, you don't need to hear me talk and say that personally. This match is five stars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This match is genuinely, like, it's the closest that WWF or E will ever get to uh, crack personified. Yes. <laughs> this wow. is, like, this is, like, in, this is just, like, pure insanity and every single thing about it, even though I know that every, pretty much everything that goes into this and the result of this is garbage, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It is accidental genius. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, awesome, awesome. All right, we got another backstage promo. Kurt <clears throat> Angle is in his locker room going over the footage of him tapping out to the crossface. In pops in Edge and Christian in their uh, era of awesomeness uh, phase. Pumped to see Kurt and then looking forward to their TLC match, but Kurt does not give a damn about them. He's saying that he didn't tap because it wasn't a match. So technically, he's not a loser. He never tapped out the crossface. <laughs> and after that, we get The Rock looking all dapper as he enters the locker room and is getting to a very divisive crowd reaction, may I ask. Oh, yeah. It would be. Like, you know what's funny? Like, that's the only time that that, that kind of fit has worked on a wrestler. Yes. It, he looks incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. All right. Bring us to match four. Eddie Guerrero with uh, Perry Saturn in his corner going up against the champion test in a European title match. Oh, Big Hoss versus Luchador. Let's, yes, let's please. Let's go, European Latino. title at WrestleMania. Let's... Mm. Latino heat. Oh, now, let me so just start this off that. by saying... Yo, Perry Saturn, the fit. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, fuzzy hat, lugs t-shirt. The, the fuzzy hat and the lugs shirt. <laughs> 2000, oh, baby. what a fit. Uh, we start off with a fast pu uh, punch exchange and a big throw mm -hmm. from oh. Test, followed by a massive gut wrench powerbomb for the two. Dude, 
test had like unreal. What the fuck did they? Why the fuck did they drop the ball on test? Because he's everything no they idea. fucking no want. Idea. No clue. So it all goes outside uh, as test goes after Eddie. We have a gorilla press with the snake eyes from test for another two. But Eddie manages to cut Test off and goes for the Frankensteiner. But Test manages to stay on the top rope. And, and we get Test off the top elbow. rope. With a reverse <laughs> elbow for, again, another two. Oh, here we go. Here's the bit that really oh, makes you go oofed. Test goes for the running big boot, but is hung up on the ropes and has his uh, ankle trapped on there. Uh, so yeah, well trapped that the ref and Eddie have to free him from it. God. Now, also... I have to say this as well, like, like, it's weird that like the snake eyes threw me out because I'm so used to that being an Undertaker move. Same, same. Yeah, very few people actually do it. But uh, you know? I love how Paul Heyman and Jim Ross managed to cover the up the whole ankle thing by saying, um, like, Eddie has can't win the title by count out or disqualification. He's got to pin Tess, so that's why he's getting him out. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. That was a great little moment, dude. The 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 Heyman Ross pairing is just great calls all around. Yeah, and fantastically for this time, much less horny. <laughs> yeah, God, for not yeah. completely, not completely devoid of horny, but we'll less. Horny. We'll get to you later, Jim, because <laughs> there is a certain line he does say at this event that makes me go. I see the influence of Jerry didn't really go away. Oh, don't worry. Heyman has one as well. Yep. So, because of the, of uh, of this uh, of his ankle being hung up on the ropes, Eddie targets the ankle outside in the ring and throws him back in. Test trying to fight back, but Eddie does catch him with a uh, with a piggyback sleeper. But Test is able to fight out with a really good com- one-two combo of a tilt a side slam followed by a tilt-a-whirl powerbomb. <clears throat> Those two are beautiful. Bro, that tilt a world side slam was brilliant. It was just, oh, it was so, I, it was, it was something to behold. Yeah. Like the actual, the elevation to the drop was, was like crazy. And then like rolling that into the power bomb as well. Like huge power moves. Yeah. Still only a two from the champ. A full Nelson attempt by Test is stopped with a low blow out of the ref's view from Eddie. In comes Perry Saturn with the moss-covered free handle to Family Gradanza. <laughs> Fuck you, Jericho. No, <laughs> Eddie only gets the two. But Eddie, by the way, an amazing show of strength being able to do the brain buster on Test. Yeah, oh, yeah it's ridiculous. <laughs> Eddie seeing Test coming through goes for the frog splash but rolls out of it from the top rope and and gets jumps right into a pump handle slam from test saturn gets the big boot and oh my god the sound test makes when he hits eddie with the big boot as well is yeah it is certified it is it is i listen to that i'm like oh oh he's knocked out forever that is a goat that is hell all ever that is the goat big boot i'm sorry no one has ever equal no right like test big boot is straight up like at minimum top two yeah (laughs) without question here comes dean malenko he's distracting the ref Eddie manages to get the title and hits Test over the head with it for the free. 
An incredibly solid match from these two. Minus that little shaky moment with the ankle trapped in the rope. Test and Eddie's worked so well together in this match. Oh yeah. Really? So so good. This gets this gets four out of five from me again. Just it's like the moment I sat down, I was like, oh, it's Eddie. Well, this is gonna be a good match. That was literally it. <laughs> Just yeah. I have given this match three and three quarter stars. At three point seven. It is. It is. Yeah. It is a. It is one of those kind of like hidden gem matches. Yeah. Yeah. Like personally, the only thing that throws it off for me is like some of the interference stuff, just because yeah, like it changes I, the pace of everything. Yeah. I like there's a, there's a couple of times where you're like, I can tell that Eddie's having to like hold things up a little bit more because obviously like Perry needs to get in and do his thing. Yeah. Or we need to wait for Dean Malenko to get down to the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do feel like... Um, but, like, it's not really any fault of their own. It's yeah. just a, it's a fact yeah. of, like, also, let me just say as one thing, it feels like the ramp to the ring is forever. Yeah. It, I think it might be. <laughs> it it, it feels like it looks really long. Mm. <clears throat> okay, so... We have a backstage interview with uh, with frosted tipped Michael Cole interviewing young- Foley. Oh, yeah, I, I Whenever I see that. young Michael Cole, I feel wrong. That's just wrong. <laughs> he looks strange. He looks like um, how do I describe this? He looks like a character from a nineties FMV game. <laughs> ah, yes, for the three DO. Yes, that's that's a good. That's a that's a very good reference there, Dan. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Foley's talking about being the special guest referee for tonight's match against Vincent Shane and calling it right down the line, right here in Houston, Texas, to a monstrous pop from the crowd. Oh, it's so good. Thank you, Mick, for always doing the cheap pop. I appreciate it. And oh, look, right, wrestling is a simple business. Absolutely. <laughs> and here's a pissed off looking Stone Cold Steve Austin doing the mirror spots. The mirror yeah. is incredible. <laughs> he looks... It's such a good look. He looks so, so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, here comes match five, gents. We've got Kurt Angle versus Stephen... Alright, I'm yeah. not going to do okay. that. Alright, we're going to go straight into this one. It's Angle versus Benoit. It's considered one of the absolute best matches in Mania history, but absolutely lost to the to, to, to time for obvious obvious reasons but we'll get in but again we'll get into that near the end of this match kurt cuts a promo to the ring on the texas crowd to tell them stop wearing stupid <laughs> cowboy hats you're not seven years old <laughs> really ironic in two months time kurt angle will be wearing say. a silly little cow like a tiny cowboy hat <laughs> on his head <laughs> ah as i've got a note here saying this is our second pay-per-view review uh, with this man in it, and boy, it doesn't get easier, does it? No, it's not. It doesn't. Basically, get it's it's just being in constant acknowledgement the fact of I feel bad watching this. Yes. Yeah. So yes. it was pretty hard to talk about this one, honestly, but <sighs> I managed to. I just thought, just look at it into the like a proper review for the time being, and then come try and come back into it, like you know, as much as you can. So. What I can say about this, a great, incredible shoot wrestling exchange from both men um, yeah. to start off. Apparently, yeah. from what Kurt's always said, when they always had matches, they um, they said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just go on the fly and have a wrestling match. 
Yeah, yeah just have like a shoot scramble. Shoot yeah. scramble, we'll see what happens. This starts off, of course, with Benoit getting the upper hand with Eek's exchange, infuriating Kurt in the process. The crowd aren't 100% sure how to react yeah. to this. That's no, why you have not. there's a bit of a hush over the crowd. Yeah, I noticed that, like, oh, the, the, the only note that I have is that this is a match ahead of its time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm like, I'm watching this, and I'm like, wow, this is so great, and the crowd is dead for it. It's the inherent problem of the thing of, again, that kind of, like, um... You know, like them going in and being like, look, let's just scramble for like five minutes. Yeah. Scramble, for those that don't know, meaning just like basically have a shoot wrestling exchange. Yeah. Um... Or I should say a consensual <laughs> shoot wrestling exchange. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, that moment, it has a real, I just had a real, I guess you guys ain't ready for that yet. Yes. But you're no, literally, though, that's the thing, it. though. You watch the match and then you're like, man, this is a really cool opening exchange, and people yeah. are like I don't know how to. Feel. You can tell the people in the crowd don't know how to react to it. Yeah, I'm mm. um, like, you're missing out here. Absolutely, absolutely. Paul Heyman with a New Japan Dojo shout out, by the way. Yeah, I know that yeah. caught me off yeah. guard. I fucking heard. I picked that out. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck. Um, but no, I quite like it though. Um, I, I like with it. How, with how it goes. It's one thing that companies should do is they should stop separate them isolating themselves from the wider wrestling world if you want to put someone over why not do that i know that's old vince mindset of you're not making it you're not a big deal until like until you've made it here and you know making a success here but i know nowadays i've seen it I, I, like they've done it a lot more nowadays in in modern day wrestling sure but it's well, they did it with like stuff like they did it with stuff like the cruiserweight classic exactly and may young when they did those exactly. but like you know they've gotten like slightly better at it, but like you know, I I understand the kind of the the place that they they come from. But then again, I say like AEW do it all the time. Exactly, exactly. Many <laughs> attempts of the cross face are cut off by rope breaks. Kurt, and this is this is it. Kurt has had enough and helps <laughs> yeah. Benoit with a cheap shot and throws him yeah. outside. Uh, it's just like, all right, you want you want to scramble? Go scramble this, this, and then just straight punches him in the head. <laughs> it's um, great. Kurt whips him into the steel steps, gets him back in the ring. Kurt hits him with a suplex and a back suplex for a two. Benoit tries to get the upper uh, advantage with big chops, but Kurt decides, screw you, and goes for a big belly to belly with the added jump that i love kurt always yeah. <laughs> uh benoit is back though with his chops which uh, look if there was anything i was going to ever give benoit credit for is that he had probably some of the best chops in the industry at that point oh yeah kitchen sink and an elbow for the two and another snap suplex for another two but up on the top rope benoit hits a ginormous superplex and it's still only a two Ah, here come the German suplexes, fellas. Benoit here hits two. Kurt then shoots for the takedown for the... A, a smooth takedown for the ankle lock. But that Oh, gets, that's so... Like, that's then, brilliant, isn't it? That gets countered into Benoit's own ankle lock. Such a smooth kind of transition from both of them to do that. But then here comes the cross... But then, it's, it's just perfect. It is. And then there's another similar kind of setup with the cross face where... Benoit puts mm -hmm. the cross of the cross face and then Kurt Angle manages to roll over and put his own version in. 
Here we go. Kurt's pushed into the ref and is down. Ben Benoit gets the cross face in and Kurt taps, but there's no ref to call it. Uh, Benoit gets agitated, tries to pick the ref up, but Angle goes for the Angle Slam, and it's a 2.9! Olympic Slam! Scoop Slam, it's a Scoop Slam, and Kurt's going for the Moonsault, which you know what this means, everybody. It's the flying belly flop where Kurt Angle eats the canvas. Yep. Yep. But no, this time Benoit decides to get his knees right into the chest and the chin of Angle. Oh! Yep. He takes that. He takes that and then some. But Benoit's up and goes for the diving head part. It's another 2.9. And we get a very similar spot to the match that just happened previously. We get the yeah. low blow out of the ref's view, which is a shame. Because it's old gold. They've gone for the same spot twice in, in just as many matches. Which is mm. a shame. If I had not even known, I probably would not have noticed that if I, was review if I wasn't reviewing this. Yeah. But it's something I definitely picked up on. Benoit goes for the pin. Kurt rolls over and manages to grab Benoit's tights for the free. Wow, this match is amazing. Yes, a great tit for tat uh, uh, wrestling, like catch wrestling match, um, and one of my personal favorites from the entire show. Kurt, isn't it crazy to know that Kurt at that point was a year and a bit removed from when he debuted on the main roster? See, but that's the thing, though. When you have that experience base, you know, with the right people, you can really just slide into doing it. Yeah. This is a five out of five. And all of that, and all of those stars go to Kurt and Kurt only. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all I can... I literally wrote, and I risked like, I agree, but it was literally my note was, this is a match ahead of its time. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, literally though. The I mean So I'll just be I'll just be straight up and say I it isn't a five, but it is a four and three quarter. Yeah. Yeah. It is about as close as you can get to a five. <laughs> and my own my, literally my only issue with this is that for some reason I'm I'm not entirely sure why they really start selling desperation into it. Yes. And I'm almost like a little bit, I don't know, maybe it's just the way I, I look at it and the way I'm perceiving it. It feels a little bit strange, mm -hmm. especially with how they start the match and how the rest of the match goes on. I feel like they lean too heavy on like Kurt having this desperation. Yeah. But I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. So you might be I, I'd say it's a very fair assessment if you ask me. A very fair assessment, if you ask me. All right, next backstage segment. We get Commissioner Regal being interviewed by Michael Colbert. Is he okay? Yo. What the hell's Yo. that bloody got to do with you, you miserable specimen? Oh, bloody hell, it's Kamala and Kimchi in Regal's office. Wrestling! Okay, right. Obviously, disregarding the whole, like, before we get to Kamala and Kimchi. Yo, Regal in the, in the American football jersey? Yeah. What a look! <laughs> it works. What a look! I absolutely love it. I also love the way that, like, at this time, I can't describe it. Regal had a very particular way of walking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the. It's the. It's. It, it was very. It was very arm. It was very handsy and armsy, wasn't it? The way you walk. It's this very kind of like leaned over walk, but I really like it. I think it looks great. <laughs> All right, back to Kamala and Kimchi because, like, 
I don't even know how we're supposed to even try and explain this. Um, so Kamala, oh, the Ugandan I'm... giant, was one of the very, um, very many revolving door of, um, of, 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 of evil wrestlers that were only yeah. there to put Hulk Hogan over. Yes. And yes. Kim Chi. Kim Chi's played by the Brooklyn Brawler, you two. Again, even more, like, you are just saying stuff, and I'm like, yes, yes, why am I confused? I'm being given all the information I need. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is Kamala and Kim Chi in Regal's office. <laughs> yes. There we go. We get a post-match and... interview, though, with Kurt Angle talking about his victory and how he's now the better man. But in comes Benoit and puts the crossface on Kurt, and he's tapping <laughs> again. <laughs> so this leads us to our sixth match. It is Ivory, the champion, going up against China for the Women's Championship. Now, the build-up to this one is that the RTC have been targeting China for her recent appearance on the cover of Playboy. And they've decided that the best way, the best course of action to deal with China is to get Val Venus to pile-drive China onto her head, <laughs> breaking her neck in the process. Welcome to wrestling. <laughs> Now, this is all course kayfabe in storyline. At the Royal Rumble, China had a chance to go... I just love the thing of just, like, the RTC being being like, what do we do? Someone in this company has appeared in Playboy. Not the fact, not disregarding the fact that WWE has a rich history of sending its women wrestlers to go and do shoots for Playboy. Yep. Honestly, like, there's so um, many that we could honestly do a bloody episode on. We could actually, you know... That'd be, that'd be a very that'd be... interesting. That's a Patreon exclusive episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Patreon exclusive. We'll just... The sweet show <laughs> reviews every single WWF Playboy crossover. The worst part is that we could very easily find all of that. Oh, oh yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, is that is that the thing the thing of let's get Val Venus to give her a pile driver? <laughs> <laughs> and you just sit there and just go, what am I watching? So at the Royal Rumble, China had a chance to go up against Ivory for the women's title, but was ended as a no contest after China re-injured her neck doing a springboard backflip uh, 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 elbow that she would do to the corner. Except if you look back on the footage, China misplaced where she was supposed to land and then kind of did a flying whoopsie into the back and re-injured her neck. <laughs> So, <laughs> the storyline The storyline here is that this is kind of like a non-sanctioned match. Of it's yeah. China has signed a waiver, which means that if she re-injures her neck, WWF is not responsible for it. Which, by the way, I heard that a lawyer looked over this on the OSW episode and said that's bullshit because WWF wouldn't be responsible for anything that had happened. <laughs> like, how? That's just like the perfect summation of corporate America. <laughs> it, honestly, like when you said that, I was like, nah, I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> I absolutely believe that could be possible. <laughs> so Ivory is here looking very scared as she enters the ring. And here comes China with the boom boom cannon. And wearing purple. Dude, the rocket the way. rocket is straight heat. Yes. Yes. So they I need so to get that cool. back for someone else. I don't yeah. care. Jade Cargill. Ooh. Dude, get Jade Cargill, the fucking rocket launcher. There we go. So Do I, not care. So before the match, Ivory is clutching onto the title and crying her eyes out as she knows this is the end. <laughs> but it's a swerve as Ivory Pearl harbors China. 
That is a sentence. Yes. As you just said. But yeah, let's look, I can't really don't go over this match. This is a squash match through and through. Like, oh yeah, it's straight, just like hi. Yeah, we're just gonna hit China to beat on ivory for a bit. Two minutes, yeah. a huge front, corner stomps, hip toss, lariat, back body drop, a power bomb, and followed by a one-two. Nah 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 nah, we're not done yet. <laughs> but like it is one thing oh. we're saying though. From from what I was watching, the crowd were pretty hot for it. Yeah, you know, really yeah, yeah, you really wanted to see it, probably because you know Ivory was so annoying. But also, true they love China. However, this will kind of knock down us. I this is actually just like a two and a half to three star match for me, probably two and a half because yeah. of the finish of which yes, the military I, press into yeah. the blase pin cover from China. Yeah, as as t- like I used to really like it, but then the moment like I heard I've read interviews on Ivory being like I I've been Ivory being like that wasn't planned, and I was so tempted to kick out to make her pin me properly. Yeah, like <laughs> I get it. What's your finisher so I can kick out of it, brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this I'm one... saying that in in, in the yeah. look. Oh, this is a one and a three quarter star match from me mostly because there just wasn't there wasn't much substance to it as it was being a squash match but what i will say is that of course yeah the crowd was in it and the reason only gets one and a half instead well one and three quarters instead of two is because of the pin as well yeah yeah it's like yeah so i gave i mean i gave it two the crowd is like surprisingly hot for this match yeah You know, they kind of ratchet up the energy pretty quickly. And of course, it has the rocket launcher. So I was like, yeah, I can justify this. Indeed. Crazy to think with all this momentum and how incredibly popular uh, she was in the company. This would be China's last mania. And by the end of 2001, she would be released by the company. It's horrifying to think of. And then you and then you remember certain details. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. About. Yeah. I say, say, certain information, which may or may not have ever been confirmed, I don't know, but that may be contextual information as to why China left the company. Yeah. So to speak. (laughs) That is a story for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okie doke. We get Vince Trish, Steph adds Sweet Zombie Linda backstage. And Vince asks if Trish upped the dosage on Linda's medication? Which... Like, this is what I said about this. That watching this in isolation, only remembering certain details, I felt myself getting even more confused and going, what the hell am I watching? A direct quote here from Vince, we don't want her to get overexcited about WrestleMania. (laughs) Ha I was just like, Up I was just watching days. it going, what is going on here? <sighs> Vince requests that Linda be brought down to ringside when Shane is incapacitated. This has Michael Cole coming in and asks about the shocking news of Shane buying WCW, to which Vince replies, if you want shocking, you'll get shocking. What does that mean, Vince? <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> no joke, I was watching it and I was like, you know, contextually on its own, that almost sounds like Vince is going to have, like, a blood sacrifice. 
It's like you want shocking, then you'll get shocking. And it's like Shane literally kills um, Vince. Literally kills Shane at WrestleMania. I'm hoping that I I believe he might he might he might do it. Hmm? You never like, know. Look, look, you right, imagine, job, imagine Shane. <laughs> ritual knives. It's like it's like look. <laughs> You've gone through this entire segment and you've had Vince say, have you made sure to up the dosage on her medication, which is a fucking statement in itself. (laughs) And then going, if you want shocking, you'll get shocking. So nuts. This leads us, gents, to match seven. It's Mr. McMahon versus Shane McMahon with special guest referee Mick Foley. How in the world did we get here? Well, I'm glad nobody asked. (laughs) Well, Vince McMahon decided he wanted a divorce from Linda and so began a sordid love affair with Trish Stratus. They dosed and drugged Linda to be in a catatonic state (laughs) and so decided to do weird things like make out in front of Linda do more making out in front of Linda. And probably the one thing that really pisses me and a lot of people off, Vince decided that he has so much power, he's going to make Trish strip to her bra and panties and bark like a dog in the middle of a ring. Genuinely, like, I cannot express how... Is there a word for a feeling that's like a mixture of confused terror? Yeah, I. It's like, so uncomfortable. Like and, it is genuinely me being scared, and then me being like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. So in all- we're still in a wrestling yes. product, by the way. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. I don't like this. Is some borderline lucha underground shit, and we're like way before that. <laughs> so. To defend his mother's honor, Shane decides to face off against Vince to kind of, as I said, to restore the honor of his own, of his mother and try and get her back. With all of this being said, what better way to coincide this storyline than to weave in the WCW acquisition and Shane buying the company for out from under <coughs> Vince's nose? Okay, first, what- first note. First note. This was the point at which Vince decided Shane was never getting a birthday card or a birthday tweet ever again. Yes. Yes. Without question. Right. So, with all that, with all the build up there, here it comes. Shane pre here comes the money is really bizarre, if you ask me. It's so cursed. It's sorry, my mic was turned off. Correct. Utterly cursed. So, in a way that's hard to really contemplate. So, Shane coming out, he manages to get into the ring and cuts a promo pointing out that some of the WCW roster are in a skybox. Now, would you like to know who was in that skybox, chaps? Sean O'Hare. We have Johnny Ace. Nice. Sean Stasiak. Nice. Mark Gingrak. Hell yeah! (laughs) Chavo Guerrero Jr. Yep. Okay, yeah. Mike Awesome. Nice. Bill DeMott. Alright, less so. Stacy Keebler. Okay. Now, yeah. would you like to know a little fun fact about this? Did they have to pay for those tickets? No. 
there was actually an original intention for the WCW wrestlers being there. They were going to, like, come down to the ring and invade in the middle of this match or the main event. So, you pretty close there, Dan. They were supposed to interfere on Vince's behalf during the match. But good old Sean Stasiak revealed that info in a radio interview and got massive heat backstage for spoiling the match. <laughs> Let's go, Sean Stasiak. I knew you were based. <laughs> so that part Amazing. of the match was scrapped altogether the day before Bania. Oh, man. Okay. Now, as we're starting this match, let me just say Mick Foley's referee outfit looks stunningly similar to a shocking amount of people I see kicking around either Camden or when I go to Shepherd's Bush. Yes. yes. Correct. I dare see people with that fit in 2022. <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. Vince coming out with a much more subdued strut made this time around with Steph accompanying yeah. him to the ring. JR with the dysfunctional mania line that he's been, I guess he's been forced by Vince before he went out to say numerous times during this match. Yes. yes. We get a face-off and we begin. Vince slaps Shane and the match starts. Vince socking Shane right in the face, giving him an immediate black eye with the McMahon's yes. proving once again that they can't throw a punch to save their lives. Proving that Vince will get... Vince will get mad at people for not being able to work and then does that. <laughs> he will kill everyone in that room. <laughs> so, yes. Vince choking Shane in the corner and berating him. We get Shane we're coming back with a clothesline and a spear followed by the punches and axe handles that only Shane could do. <laughs> Let me just say, that was one of the worst looking spears I have ever seen. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it is so bad. It is <laughs> it collapses in on itself. It really, really absolutely. Does. So Steph entering the enters the ring and looks to plead with Shane, but you know Stephanie, she can't do anything without slapping someone in the face. It's the women's special slap. <laughs> a base, a solid baseball slide from Shane. I was going to say yeah, that was actually good. That was brilliant. I love that. Uh, All right, now let me get to one part of this that really disconcerted me. Sure. Shane is 31 here? Yes. 31. That man does not look 31. No. Uh, no, not 31. He's using the boot polish hair dye already at that age. That's what I mean. Like, it is crazy. When they're there and went, Shane, here at only 31, I was like, I'm sorry? <laughs> That feels wrong. <laughs> that feels so, so wrong. So uh, with Shane, he's outside. He grabs a do not touch sign and swings yeah. for the fences to Vince's head. We get more outside tomfoolery as Shane balances on the guardrail and, and springboard clotheslines Vince. Oh, here yeah. comes the kendo stick as, uh, as Shane <laughs> frostles Vince with it. The ro Oh, the fucking rope-a-dope from Shane. Yeah. Vintage Shane O'Mac. The Shane O'Mac punches. The rope yeah. I can't I can't lie, they're probably they're probably this match is probably the most over and probably like one of the best times he's done them. Yes. And that's like a stretch. <laughs> so after this is the very one of the very famous moments that gets uh, kind of played back uh, with this match. Shane places Vince onto the Spanish announce table. And looks to the top rope opposite. He hits Vince with a monitor, and Paul Heyman shouts, "Are you out of your mind?" <laughs> Shane, what are you doing? What are you doing? 
Shane goes for the flying elbow, but Steph, in a great, like, I guess you could not be more coordinated if you tried last second, pulls Vince away, and Shane eats the Spanish announce table. Not the Spanish announce table! Devours that table. Here comes... Zombie Linda. He's incapacitated. That means that here comes sweet zombie Linda. He is just like, genuinely watching this match, I was like, what am I seeing? You know what got me? When sweet zombie Linda... You've said it now. God damn it. Never mind. Continue on. I'm upsetting myself. All right. my, my, My thing with this is that there's all this stuff going on. Meanwhile, Shane looks like he's dead. Yes. And you've got Vince directing traffic, just like, <laughs> get her over here now. <laughs> Trish, though, has finally had enough of the humiliation and slaps the taste out of Vince's mouth to a big pop. Steph and Trish go at it and have a cat fight and both run up the entrance ramp. They're gone. Boom. With Paul Heyman going, what are you doing? <laughs> This brings us a very famous moment of Vince seeing Linda by ringside and mouthing the words, You. Bitch. Yeah. Vince goes to Linda, and all for Mick Foley to tell Vince to not even think about it. And for his troubles, Mick Foley gets hit right on the back of the head with a chair. Oh, God. It is disgusting. Vince grabs the dead... The dead carcass of Linda McMahon throws her into the I ring. Know, it's like places her into the corner of a steel chair <laughs> and tells her to watch what they do to their son. When suddenly we it get genuinely, the... it genuinely feels <laughs> like I'm watching some kind of psychological thriller. Yeah, I can't describe what the feeling of this match is like. Vince with a whole bunch of garbage cans goes to hit Shane over the head. <laughs> She's looking. To suddenly. She just starts beaning him. <laughs> to when suddenly the biggest pop of the night sees Zombie Linda rise from her grave. When there is no more room in hell, Zombie <laughs> Linda shall walk the earth. It's literally the, the, the audience in goes game. insane and Linda McMahon just stands up. <laughs> It is legitimately we don't get into bigger pops until further down the card. It's incredible. Vince, as you can see, that Vince is being told by Linda to open his legs a little bit more as she, as I quote from Linda the day after, kicked him right in the gonads. (laughs) (laughs) This is the signal for Mick to get back up and beat the living crap out of Vince. A garbage can set up on Vince's lap as he's in the corner gives Shane all that he needs it to is hit time. the very first coast to coast. Or if you're it's a cultured time to go individual, to see Van Terminator. <laughs> exactly, a cultured individual, if you will, would call it the Van Terminator. <laughs> all I'll say is, Mick, you were in the wrong position. Hence, why they had to do the close-up angle. Nick was covering up Vince for the wide shot. It's just just the thing of them there, and they set it up, and then just Shane just being like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. (laughs) And that's the first time he hit a coast-to-coast by Iad. Yeah, I know. And that is enough to get him the free. Shane wins, embraces his mother as he gets revenge on his dad. 
Now, chaps, I must say this is not the most clean of wrestling matches. This is not a technical masterpiece, but hell, it was a hell, it was entertaining to watch, and it did have a good payoff. Hence, I am going to give this match a higher rating than it actually deserves, and it gets a three point five out of five. Here's what I was going to say, which is I almost don't know if I feel like I can give this a star rating. Yeah. Because I don't think very few things actually encapsulate the absolute insanity of what I watched. All right, I'll change it. I'll revise it with Sweet Zombie Linda out of five. Yeah. yeah See, I, I, I something like that. Because yeah. there is a lot of stuff I have with this, both in the confines of the match itself and as a greater being, <laughs> which is this field, this almost definitely set back any representation of mental health in wrestling by a good 30 years. Yes, yes. And genuinely, in isolation, I have to look at this and go, what is this thing? In the wider context, I almost start to understand it. (laughs) But it is insane that, like, this is one of the things that are like, yes, this is what people want. And evidently, people did. (laughs) People legitimately popped for this uh, anyway i am gonna give this an accurate representation of billionaire families out of five i give it an imperial phase out of five yeah correct as it rightfully <laughs> deserves and in terms of garbage matches guys this and randy savage versus dennis rodman we're on a good roll with garbage matches aren't we no but like garbage matches which like almost semi-ironically achieve greatness <laughs> absolutely <laughs> All right. Like, like I can't, I can't describe how much this match is like a fever dream. Watching it, it really, really it is, is so attitude era. Oh, without question. Remember the attitude I said, era. Was I one... said this to, I said this to Sam, but this feels very similar to what it was, what it was like when my girlfriend described what having ADHD <laughs> to me was like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is seventy different things happening. At the same time, with seemingly very little rhyme or reason between them. Yeah. And you just kind of have to figure out and put the pieces together. <laughs> yep. Oh my goodness. It is it is a hodgepodge of everything. But as we all know, and we all come to test to, the WWE is only about one thing, and that's the McMahons. <laughs> yes. And this match exemplifies that to a T. Alrighty, chaps, we could go on, but I'm going to pull a Chris Tarrant from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And everybody, we're going to have to come back to this. We are splitting this into two parts because there is just so much that we've got to unpack in this (laughs) paper. There is so much stuff to unpack and we don't have enough time. (laughs) And we felt what better way to end it than with the Shane Vince match. So we will be back next episode for part two of our wrestlemania 17 review oh we've got a lot to unpack in the in the last few matches guys we've got a great an iconic tlc match we've got an even more iconic gimmick battle royal and of course we have the main event to talk about but that's all coming up in the next episode that's all all that's left for me to say so i've been sam this has been dan and reardon You've been listening to the Sweet Chin Wag Podcast. We'll see you on the next part. Bye for now. Bye. Yeah.